right, you guys. Hi, I'm here with Dave Hanarana. Did I say that right? Hanrahan. Hanrahan. Okay, so he's a he's a researcher from Northeast England. He looks into well, like ancient history, um, particularly like the motifs that are different uh, or that are mm, you connecting a bunch of things in the past together. And then I, okay, so what? Let's let's go into this a little bit, like. Give us some background about how you used to be into UFOs and then you like went completely away from that. And then now maybe you're kind of starting to consider this again. Like what's what's all with that? It started a long time ago. You're talking about 40 years ago, even longer. I read Van Daniken's Carried to the Gods. It was, his, was the book. I was about 17 when I read it. It actually wasn't in the, uh, it was in the story part where all the kids' books were. That's where they put it. <laughs> non-fiction had put it in so I used to go to the library nearly every day and we I'd be looking through the book and it was interesting Don Duncan come from the point of view where he was just asking a question at that time he wasn't saying there was aliens there wasn't life on other planets so our life had come here he was just asking the question that whether there was uh, a longer history a longer time back in the history that we might have been visited by somebody and they might have had an influence on us in some way, shape or form. So at 17, you're looking into that and you're interested in this type of thing and you, you're taught the same things at school, you're taught the usual history we were taught. I'm from a Roman Catholic school, so we taught the Moses Roman Empire and then the Tudors, Henry VIII. And when you look back on it, you start to see well, that's the absolution of the church. It's the beginning of the church, Moses. The Romans was the persecution of the church. And when you get into the Tudor times, it's basically the reformation of the church again. So you start to think, well, what are they trying to teach us here? Are they trying to teach us a religious history or they're trying to teach us history, history? And they weren't. They wanted us, even today, the historians only go back 7,000 years, you know that. Oh, yeah. They turn around and they say, we started reading and writing in three, four different locations without any contact between everybody. And you think, well, how does that happen? And they're building pyramids and they're building structures basically out of nothing, out of big, giant, megalithic blocks. And there's no before, there's just then and they start building these structures all around the world, all independently of each other. So they, they tell us. So you move on and you look at Stitchin's work and he's talking about the Anunnaki and the seventh planet and you think, oh, that's great, your UFOs and you've got your seventh planet and you've got your people coming from it. So you, you, as you get older, you start seeing there's a hell of a lot more in history than we've ever been taught, even been, ever been known about. We still today, even as all as many as there must be about 100 of us that are on there now, on all talking about ancient history, and we're all putting on different sites and saying, well, why weren't we taught about this? Why wasn't this said? Why weren't we given this information? And that's, see, the, the light to say that we trying to say they're suppressing history. They're not, they've just got a timeline and they want to fit everything into that timeline. That makes sense to their, to what they want to believe and what their timeline is. I mean, 
Phil at the Ancient Architects, we're looking at, uh, we're back 40,000 years, 100,000 years, 200,000 years, and you're seeing the same thing all the time. A more slower progression than what we think, the 7,000 years. Yeah. And then you get them. I mean, even that the, they just found by Gobekli Tepe, the one that's like a thousand years older that they just like talked about this week, you know, you're going like, okay. And then you have the footprints that were found in New Mexico and White Sands, New Mexico, that were 23,000 years old, which they supposedly thought that the Native Americans came over on the land bridge like 10,000 years ago. So, you know, it just keeps on getting older and older and older. We we keep saying this, but they still want to stick to their 7,000 year timeline. Before that, there was nothing. There wasn't of any interest. They were just hunter-gatherers all walking around, killing stuff, killing everything, destroying the world completely. They just come out of Africa and destroyed everything. And it wasn't like that. We know it wasn't like that. And they still, to this day, they still push that narrative for 7,000 years. Until then, we got right in mathematics, astronomy. Well, like I say, my main thing is the astronomy, the ancient astronomy. And we've got caves in Europe that go back 40,000 years and we're painting star maps on the wall then. I mean, the star map you've got behind you looks like Taurus the Bull. Yeah. <laughs> So tell, tell me about, you. so you're very interested in the archaeoastronomy aspect of all this. So how did you get into that? And what about that, like, really um, pulls you in? Because I think that's awesome, too. But. Well, basically, it's the fate of, of all the ancients, of all the ancient civilizations. It's the first thing they did. They looked at the night sky and they put it down. They put it in caves. They put it on rocks. They put it everywhere. They put it totally everywhere. And so they were seeing something in the night sky that we aren't seeing today. And obviously we've got, we've got light pollution and stuff like that, but there was something else. They were seeing something else out there that was fascinating them. And you can look at, there's a 12,000 year cycle, there's a 24,000 year cycle, there's a 3,000 year cycle. And incidentally, at these times, there was a major comet that always impacted the planet at these times that you see the most interest in looking at the night sky. Mm. So, of course, if you, you've got, if you're looking into ancient history, you've got, to, you've got to turn around and say to yourself, well, they weren't just looking at the night sky to see when to plant the seeds. Or, just because uh, it was pretty, yeah, like they, gonna, it was, it was, it was going to be winter. Because most of them are around the equator anyway. If you look closely, most of them are around the equator or just off either side of the equator. So their summers and winters were a lot different from what I was at today. So to say there was, there was looking at four seasonal episodes in past history is just nonsense. They were looking at the night sky for something. They were looking for something. They were, they'd seen something and they were looking for it and they were still looking for it right up till the ancient Egyptians, maybe a little bit later than that. But they were there. They, well, you just have to look at Dandera, the Dandera calendar and stuff like that. And we know the Dandera right. goes back a lot further. 
those backfell in the Babylonians. You know that? You know for yeah, the, the, the Dandera, for those who don't know, the Dandera calendar is like they had a zodiac 12 symbol um, sign on this. It's in the Louvre now. They took it down and they replaced it with like a fake one there. Like and when you actually go mm -hmm. to Dandera Temple, but the real one is in the, uh, the Louvre. Um, many of them, there's many of them. The Chinese Adam, the Babylonians Adam. It's, and it's all uh, over the place. You know, and I think the argument is kind of, well, how do you know what constellations they were looking at are the same, the ones that we consider now, you know, that was um, uh, like, like, you know, they had different astronomy because you can make designs out of any points, right? So how do we know that a lot of these animal motifs were actually constellations or not, or, you know, like, which no, is the theory? Martin Martin put it down in mathematics. He explains it in mathematics how the, what stars they were looking at and what they were. Go back the the latest the earliest astronomical calendars, and you can see that what stars they were look, looking at. You can you can work that out mathematically from where you stand and from the night sky. Just because uh, we we draw a. a a goat with a fish tail doesn't mean they were drawn a goat. If you go back to uh, Babylon, they would symbolize a, a star as a goat, any star other than a planet. So when you go back to the cave paintings and the cave drawings a thousand years before that, they were drawing goats on the walls. Were they seeing what the Babylonians were seeing or did the Babylonians say, oh, well, this is what we think they're yeah, seeing. I mean, and there's obviously like things like maybe like Pallades clusters or something like that. You can see that in like really, um, what is it called? The nebula, neb nebula disc or something was the first one. Yeah. That one in Germany. I mean, there's things where it's like they don't have to have even an animal on it. There's just like the placement of like Orion's belt, you know, like there's things that are um, kind of. Well, you, only have to, you only have to look at them on the floor and then look at the night sky. And you can see that it's just reflecting the night sky. Yeah. I mean, the oldest buildings in Europe and in Ireland, Newgrange, and where Newgrange is, all the mound round there actually represent the night sky that's above it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you can actually see it. You don't have to use mats or, or anything like that. You can actually see the stars on the ground. For me, the thing that really is the most frustrating about all of this <laughs> is that you have. Um, you know, like I went to Egypt two years ago and like, I, as soon as I walked up and touched my first pyramid, I was like, uh, okay, like we had technology that we don't currently have. Like we couldn't even currently build this thing. Uh, the stones are so huge. They're so huge. And like, you're telling me we did this with copper chisels, like, or what? I mean, but you can't like you can't say that to a mainstream person because they just think you're being conspiratorial and that you don't know what you're talking about. And, you know, like I had my older brother, I was just like, they've proved that like many years ago that slaves built that just you pulling. Well, they, well, they don't say slaves built that now. They're saying it was 20,000 men who took about 20 years. They found where they're supposed to have lived. Well, I've had this discussion with many people who try to disclaim the technology part of it. Now, I'm not on either side, but I do like I do like the ancient technology people because they're open to suggestion. 
where it's mainstream isn't. So when we look at the copper, when, when you look at the copper alone, where did it come from? How did they process it? Where did they bring it from? Now they say they brought it from the Western Desert and the mines in Sinai, right? This is where supposed to, the copper was supposed to come from. But for it to be hard enough for it to be worked on stone, you need arsenic. Now, they would have had to import that from far, far away to make the arsenic, to put the arsenic in the copper, and it's less than 0.1%. They would have had to know alchemy, chemistry, to know the level of arsenic they put in the copper to make it hard enough to chisel stone. Now, when you look at the ancient Egyptians, they used the, the, the copper, the, the same they used. Yeah, but we don't even have any evidence of the, the of what the ones that we do have aren't like. Even the things we do are powdered copper and they used it for medication and they used it for makeup. That's why you see with the green eyes all the time, the blue eyes. That's what they were using it for. But they want to tell us it was, no, this is where they got the copper from. Well, the only copper they've ever found from the uh, third and fourth dynasty is actually meat rotted copper, copper laying on the floor in the desert, which is too soft. And that's only because it was used for jewellery, brooches, stuff like that. So they couldn't use that. It was too, it was way too soft. And I've had this discussion with many a uh, uh, supposed intelligent person. Now, if you go, if you go to South America and the Maya, they did used to put arsenic in the copper to, to use as chisels. But if you look into it, the research, the kings were poisoned. They had arsenic poisoning because there was that much arsenic being put in the water mm. that they were using to produce the copper to make it hard enough to work. So you go back to Egypt and you say, well, where is the arsenic poisoning? <laughs> Why isn't it showing up? Now, I'm an I've, I've been an engineer most of my life. I work for large engineering companies. And the biggest thing that ever happens to engineers is they lose fingers, toes, hands, because they're using such big... Machinery, yeah. Yeah. They're, using, they're using such large amounts of weight. So I asked them again, well, where's the, where's the graves? Where's the, the graves of the people with one arms, one legs, one foot, one arm, no fingers with them? And they don't, and they, and they say, well, we can't find them. They had 20,000 people working 20 years around the clock, moving, what was it, one stone every five, five minutes in the place. It, you just do the maths and the maths just doesn't add up. There's no, there's uh, no furnaces, there's no wood, there's no scorching on the floor where the furnaces should be, where the wood would have been burned to produce the copper, to produce the metals. It just, the, the maths doesn't add up. And you, you try and tell them scientifically, well, no, nah, no. Nah. And then they ask you, well, scientifically, we know, and you're like, well, how do you? Well, we read these books, and there's, and then books are fake. <laughs> I have a little joke. I have a little joke with uh, Phil about the Roman Empire. I try to discredit the Roman Empire because it's just an ongoing joke, because everything's Roman. In Europe, everything's Roman. And everything, anything less than a thousand years old, anything is Roman, it's Roman. 
It's yeah. oh yeah, it's Roman, and that, that's all they do. And and they just they just no evidence at all, no proof, no evidence, nothing. It's just Roman, as it said in, in the book that was written a thousand years after the Roman Empire fell, and it was written by some priests who knew who knew nothing about ancient times. They were just given manuscripts, small bits of manuscripts, and they made the rest of it up themselves. And that's the that's that's what they rely. Is that scientific? No, they rely on books that were written a thousand years after the event, and also that were ninety percent of it is fake, is just made up because you only have ten percent of it. So, <laughs> just well, yeah. I mean, and that's that's um that's that's the Bible too. I mean, you know, like the, I mean the earliest book of that was written like well well after jesus supposedly died you know and like uh, like i think the book of john was supposedly written like 80 years after he died um that's the or that's the closest primary oh. source that you have we're gonna offset a few people yeah i know i know I, I guess i couldn't talk about that one yeah okay but <laughs> um, upset a few people, but you know i mean like, it is interesting though because um, I, I mean, people don't really realize that they didn't really start when Constantinople, um, you know, in this sign, I will, will conquer or whatever. His mom was like a, 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 an obscure in an obscure cult at the time. She was a Christian, like a Gnostic kind of Christian. And so he he changed the you know, he was the last emperor before they he broke it up in the Tetrarchs or whatever. The Council of Nicaea, and, we're talking about the Council of Nicaea. Yeah. Council of Nicaea was set up by Constantine to rewrite the Bible because they were, the Catholic Church at that time were fighting, they were killing each other, murdering each other. Because one believed that if you've ever seen Life of Brian, where he holds up the shoe and he says, Follow the shoe, follow the gods, that's exactly what they were taking the mick at. The Roman Catholic Church at the time, one wanted to say Jesus Christ was born a god, and the other one wanted to say he was born a man, and they killed each other. So by this time, the, uh, the the Rome the new Roman Empire wanted to rebuild the old Roman Empire. So the only way you could do that is there was no lawyers, there was no one to say that you you own you own this and own that. You had to put it into factual evidence that your family went back thousands of years. Yeah. So the agreement was I'll sort the but I'll sort the fight in fight now is you rewrite the history of Rome. And we both come out of this well. Yeah, it's like a, a giant propaganda campaign, basically. Exactly. The, the, the the Romans were amazing at that, you know. So that's that that's all I was kind of trying to make like a point of is that um, really read your history on that because the, the Romans were they were masters of um, you know the, the doctrination uh, they used in doctrination they didn't conquer they used in doctrination they'd move into a place and yep. they just put their tag on everything. They just put the tag on everything. That's all they were doing. They were tagging ancient buildings before that, a lot longer than that. And they were just tagging them, putting on a bit of their. I mean, I went. We went to Turkey uh, a couple of years back, and you can see buildings there that were supposed to be Roman that have old Roman stucco stuck in the middle of the wall. Mm -hmm. So what you trying to so I mean, you, you see what you're trying to say is you took this old building. And you've put it in a building that you have only built for the first time. So them bits of building were already there. Yeah, so, I mean it's like ball back, right? You know, like the Temple of Jupiter, 
um, to consider that Roman, but the base. Oh no, that's one of my favorite subjects. <laughs> yeah, go into that. Right. Uh, so what they're trying to say of Baalbek is the Romans built it. Now, now we can turn around and say, all right, the Temple of Jupiter and all that, they really organised it in the right re place to put the triathlon stones. <sighs> they're trying to fit it in any way they can, and they can't, and it upsets them. Now, I was having an argument within this story, and the same one Martin was having a uh, discussion about... And they always start to tell you that these stones were made by the Romans. And these are the biggest stones ever made by apparently the most uh, people who, who've written everything down and know This is their greatest monument ever. And nowhere, can't be found nowhere. So he's decided that it belonged to the Romans because they dug a small hole in the middle of the temple, no bigger than that. And when they got the bottom, it they found some Roman pottery. So that must mean that the Romans were there before the stones were there. So the Romans must have put it on. That's their argument. That's what they say. But there's a temple above the valley, and that was built by the what call them the trade. It was it it was built it was built about a thousand built between five hundred and a thousand years before. The, the Baalbek, the Temple of Jupiter was put on top of it. And it's been raised to the ground and it's knocked down to the ground. And now the Romans issued a coin with this temple on, symbolising this temple. And they also put offerings in the temple. Now when it rains in the rainy months, it washes everything down to the bottom of the valley. And where do you think it goes? <laughs> all the broken pottery and all the bits, all the Roman bits. Where do you think it goes? It gets washed underneath the temple. So that's what the, all the digging up is offerings that were made. Yeah, well, I mean, it's also one of those things where, you know, if they find a, a fire, they're like, oh, carbon, that's great. Like we can date things, you know, like, and you're, you're going, well, like, what if there was an existing building here for 3,000 years and somebody came along and had a fire here? And then that's what I, there's no, there's no way to tell that that is the origin of this structure. Yeah, you know, until we figure out how to date stone, anyway. we don't know. We have to look at radiocarbon dating anyway. It's not, it's, they don't use it anymore. It's dysfunctional. <laughs> it, it's such there's such a, a I think it's about a hundred to five hundred year disparity between the date and as the further you go yeah, back. Yeah, and yeah. they only go back twenty thousand years. I think they're using uh, bioluminescence uh, and see that's what we need to do with Baalbeck. We need to turn the bottom of the stone over and measure the bioluminescence and then we can tell how long ago the sun shined on it last. That's what we need to do. And then we will we'll have a day. I mean, they even try to tell you. That's a good that idea. They never lifted it up and they never moved it. They rolled it across the floor because it's above the temple. But it isn't. You can go to Google Earth and you can see that the quarry is a ball. And you can actually see, look at a photo of, of the, the trilithons and you can see the temples on top. 
So, I mean, why are you making this, why are you making this disparity, this one little point that doesn't make sense that you're still using? They, they went to the top, they went to the top of the quarry, and measured the top of the quarry, and that's where they get it from. They never went down the bottom. And then don't forget, there's another bigger stone underneath that. Right. That hasn't right. been excavated yet. So we need to get that up. We need to date that. We need to turn that around. Right. Is that the stone you're talking about that they say was, like, they didn't finish quarrying? The pregnant, the pregnant mother and pregnant uh, woman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pregnant woman. So, like, the biggest, biggest the bit, stone. Yes, yeah, it's even bigger than that one. I mean, you just, the Romans so, didn't even cut it up. So then, okay, tell us about the motifs that you look like look for that are, I mean, obviously. Well, I've, got, I've got time to fill because they were looking at the nubs. And obviously I'm looking at the astronomical side of it. Because uh, as you know, the Temple of the Sun at Machu Picchu, it uh, it's, sets the summer and the winter equinox. The light shot comes into the window and shines into on a big stone, which was probably carved. You can just see the shot. You can just see it just made out on the sun. They measured it. Now, I think that's the Rosetta Stone of the Nubs in South America, at least, because at the winter equinox, the winter window has four nubs, one at each corner. And if you go to the, the summer equinox window, it has six nubs, it has four on the bottom and two on the top. So that must have been signifying something. So you think they were seven. like um, almost like a calendar marking markings? Yeah, yeah. some kind of I've, I've talked about shadow play. I think at certain times of the year, when the way the shadows are cast on them and they go across the, the wall, it's probably some uh, mark, historical marker that is marked out by shadows. As it was said that it was covered in gold, the walls were covered in gold and the nubs were silver, or was it either way around silver? The walls were silver and the nubs were covered in gold. And you can see a lot of, uh, a lot of the other walls at certain times of the year, you can see the shadows being cast by the nubs pointing at certain, certain equinoxes and certain dates. So they must have been important to the, the people in South America at that time, once seeing uh, pre-Paracus as they don't have the same. That would be interesting too. I mean, like, cause I know some of them talk, they could be like, like a lot of them are found on the bases of buildings. So they could be like water markings yeah, so yeah, we were talking about that. Well, I was talking about the uh, polyester amphitheaters and the ones on the bottom. Well, if you go to the original amphitheaters, there was no stage. It was just somewhere where the people would go and sit. The local people, town people would come and talk. And then when they put the stones over them, you can see the nubs at the bottom. And I've got a feeling that there was a, a sphinx-like uh, a tower in the middle, and that would have at certain equinoxes pointed at the certain nubs and give you certain dates. We were discussing that if that was a possibility. I mean, these are all just 
So right, they're just there are other there are other theories to throw. I mean, yeah, I mean, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. nubs is there's so many different possibilities that they could be because then they're then they're also found like there'll be like just one single nub like on a column like in a really but like they're found in the most bizarre weird places. We don't know, we don't know how many times have been moved around. We don't True. know what the proper alignment was. We've reused and we see that in Egypt, they just keep reusing blocks and taking blocks away and putting it back. Even the reconstructions are out today. And we don't know. Yeah. Just as they think they will aligned and that's how it was. I mean, uh, Stonehenge, that's a, an ecliptic. It, it, it marks the eclipses every now and again. Uh, it, it can predict eclipses. eclipses. How? But, how? Yeah. Do you not know about the eclipse predictor? I don't know about I that one. Send us some links. I have to send you some links. Yeah, that. please do. Scientists in the sixties. He used mathematics and he worked out that the stone engines and the eclipse predictor. The the guy's name was uh, Gerald Dawkins. In nineteen sixty-three, he used the most powerful computer at the time. To work out the, what it was used for, and the found out it was there, it predicted the eclipses. I love that. That's amazing because it's like you know, um, so many places have all these weird historical markers. Like I think Adam's calendar is supposed to be really good with the solstices, and somebody else suggested that that's an eclipse predictor, like which is another stone circle kind of um, oh. uh, thing. Me and my good friend Josh used to always talk about the American ones, all the, the you know, the, the, uh, the, the, the Great Stone Circle in Newark and uh, all the earthworks and mm-hmm. there's people that have been out there and I think it was, I think it's the, the Great Circle, they found out it, it was, you can measure it in metres, which wasn't invented till about 1886, but it's Accurate, there were about 100. I think it was, I think we were talking, it was, I think it was 164 because we were surprised it wasn't 165 because of the year. But the worked out, it's, it works out, it's like you know, 100, 130, 34 meters it measures at, which is almost a year, but in meters, but which wasn't invented till the late 1800s. So you can measure it. And this is, this is, um, Wait, which site is this one? Great Circle at Newark. We went there to Thornborough Enge a couple of years back. Have you ever seen Thornborough Enge? No. Thornborough Enge is about three, three times as large as Stonehenge, but there's three of them, almost a land the same as Orion's Belt. Oh, wow. Thousands of years old. Where is this? Just not not far from me in North, in, a, in North Yorkshire in a place called Thornborough. Not many people go there, but it's one of the largest one of the largest uh, monuments in England. Are they still buried or are they exposed? No, it's some, the walls go up to about three meters in some places, and they reckon it was up to seven meters high, all three of them. And the, there's a causeway. That's about a mile and a half long that goes through. And there's just massive circles in the middle of the countryside, nowhere. And they're just enormous. 
three to four, each one's three or four arms and sails of stone in. And we went down there and there was hardly anyone there. We had to ask the little old fella in the village where it was. And we had it the whole place to ourselves. So has it never been dug up? I think they've, they've excavated it at times and all that, but it's one of them other things they just put Neolithic and that's it, the, the move on, you know what I mean? Yep. They don't really do any good, brilliant research. There's a few people who, who've done papers on it, who's, again, it's astronomically aligned because it looks like Orion's belt and it's set to the, uh, the summer, summer solstice and the winter solstice. They actually have a in the summer solstice, you actually have people that the belting, they call it, you have like a big, they dress up in medieval gear and they're all dancing the circle. You know, them touchy feely lot. <laughs> well, I always wonder if like, if you find something like Orion's belt, like the pyramids of Giza, right? Like if you, if you just take it to proportion and scale and then like, you know, with you almost like trace paper or like whatever, um, you could figure out like where the other points would be because Orion's belt is very signature, but then so are the other four stars that uh, make up his head and his feet and his, you know, whatever. Like you would think they're, those would be there not even, They're not even a fixed point. They're not a fixed point. They're actually moving away from each other. And so what if we did it by that? What if we turn around and say, well, when was Orion's belt in that correlation? Oh yeah, that's that's a good point. That's true, and we we haven't been actually, observing it long enough to know how. Sometimes it's hard to get the people to see in three dimensional because actually thousands of light years away from each other, further back. Mm -hmm. They're not in a straight line; they're actually further back. It's it's the same with the four four stars on the corner. They're all at different places, and different they're different light years away from us. Right, like Beetlejuice was going through a. Like, like an like extreme explosion or something like a couple of years ago where it was super red. Do you remember that? Or was I making that up? I think that no, was... No, no, you, you got that quite right. The, the predicted it was going to explode in the next super 20 no years. Yeah. But the red, it was a cloud dust that went in front because it started to dim. So usually them uh, red, red giants, before they die, they go dim. They basically suck their energy in and then they'll explode. Now was the time to say it was a, a gaseous cloud that was passing behind it. Hmm. So we're going to go on to planet seven. Now we're going to go on to planet nine, planet seven. Which one do you want to go on to? You yeah, no, that's what planet? I want to go on to. Okay, so so okay, so you uh, so well, Stitching brings us to Sitchin. You like like Sitchin Sitchin about that Nubaru. Stitching road twelve planet about the enough die. They're supposed to have written in the text that there's this planet that comes around every three thousand years. And if these people that come but with it, come here, man, go. Did get that from the cuneiform text? Well, well, not now, because uh, he took them all away, he didn't. And he, he was the only one allowed to interpret them, because he was the expert at the time. And that's what he, that's what he said, the, the said, the text said. He said, that's what the text said. But I think after, he, after his demise, I think somebody got hold of him and uh, re-read them and they rewritten them. So... Yeah, you read Stitching, I think that was about the same time. And you start looking at Planet Nine and you start thinking, of, thinking the same thing about 
aliens and stuff like that. But it's back in the far now. It's trying to say that it could be out there now. Once Pluto has been demoted to a, a, a exoplanet, where there's a mass out there. There's something out there that's pulling on the three biggest gas giants outside, and the and it's pulling on it. And also, a lot of people don't tell you is our sun is tilting. It tilts as if something's pulling it. That's how big its mass is. Now, the thought it was going to be at least 12 AUs, which is like 12 Earth sizes, and it was going to have the mass of maybe 20 of our planets. Now, they think there's something out there in the uh, asteroid belt that is, could be our, our sun's twin, because most stars have a twin. And I think it's our sun and it it's our sun's twin and it's died and it's on a, a large ecliptical orbit and it travels and the work out it could travel through the, the belt every 12,000 years, which would give you the 24,000 years and it goes through the belt. So it's like a, they're saying it's like a dead star, basically. Well, it could be a brown dwarf, it could be a dead, it could be a, a failed black hole, because now they're saying it could be a black hole rather than a, a planet out there. But I've it heard the black hole theory. That's that's romantics, really, because what we're really looking at is a mass out inside the asteroid belt, which is basically playing uh, pool with the asteroids out okay. in the belt. So its mass, as it's travelling through the asteroid belt, is pushing the the pushing the comets and the and the stardust. And everything out out towards the inner planets. Now there's an uptick. There's an uptick. There's been an uptick in comets for the last twenty years. Now, uh, twenty years ago, we had stitching. Forty years ago, he said he said it was in in the writings, and then they dismissed it. They said it was just a small planet planetoid like Pluto. Then twenty years ago, they turned around again. And they said there's something out there because I I think it's called Isis uh, Iris, oh, Iris I think it's called Iris. Iris. It's the oldest telescope we've got up there at the moment, mm. and it started sending back signals of objects within the the belt. And then the, we've got all these small planets, like uh, small asteroid planets that are floating about there. And they said it was that. So they forgot about it, but it kept sending back data, and it kept saying the maths wasn't working out because the planet, the outer planets, were still being pulled by something. The sun was being tilted, and they weren't happy with the maths, so they just switched it off. <laughs> they took its data away, and said, "Well, but there's another one. There's a telescope going online next year that in Hawaii. The web, which the James the Webb one, or what?" Is that the one that was sent out into space? I'm on about the one that's on the, well, the Hubble's the, the one that's already out there. The James T. Webb is yeah, way Webb's, yeah, the, we're, we're waiting for that to be sent off. But no, this is a static one on top of a, a, a mountain in Hawaii. It's going online and it's going to look for dark objects within the Pluto belt and the asteroid belt. So we probably have a de definitive answer, but then. A couple of years ago, a brilliant mathematician started bringing it up again, saying that there's a mass 
outside, inside the asteroid belt, that's traveling within the asteroid belt, and that's what's causing the gravitational pull. And, and all they're trying to do now is you, you can't do now because you can't discredit and all it down. So, what do you think of uh, Maramuru, the that asteroid that you know, like Avi Loeb thinks is a, a well, if you catch alien it, artifact, basically? You might get a photograph, but it seems strange as it comes through. We start getting an uptick in UFO reportings at the same time. That's all. I, that's that's all I'm looking at with the UFO community at the moment because they the, the tend to, you know, stretch the fabric of reality a little bit too much sometimes. But like again, like the ancient technology people, they have a lot of good valid points and there's a lot of them looking at who have a lot of good research. And that's what I've always said. No matter how wild the research is, you don't shut the research out because he might have a little golden nugget that nobody yep. else has done. Don't everybody maybe out with the I, I think that's why we've all come together because I think we've all got a little piece of the, the puzzle. And we don't need them. We don't need academia. We're just looking at ourselves and we all see the little pieces of the puzzle. It mightn't fit, it might fit, but it's like uh, when you talk about the early astronaut, astronomical view uh, sightings by the ancients, I go back to Blunkus Blunker Cave, and that's six, 80,000 years old, and there's a, a piece of okra in there that's got the same designs that we see everywhere over in the ancient world, and especially that they're linked to astronomical observations, and it's the same symbol, it's the same... We see it all the time. You're talking about Squatter Man? Uh, no, I'm on about the lozenge. Oh, okay. Like yeah. the diamond shape. The diamond shape, yeah. Yeah, the one that they found at Stonehenge that was on that, uh, well, they call him a king, a warrior, whatever you want to call him. But somebody's worked out the astronomical value of that, that brooch. Mm. And, it's almost the same as where we see it everywhere. We see it everywhere. Some of it, some of it's probably just decoration, but so it's all in the Sumerian text. It's always this lozenge shaped, and it's always related to the stars. So you've got to make some assumptions sometimes, and you've got to make some links. And you start well, to see the same. This is what I'm saying. You see the same patterns time and but time. You definitely time can't time. ignore it all and just act like it's no. not there. Well. It's it's good scientific value, isn't it? You take all you take all the anomalies, and you look at them singly, and then all together, and then you make you make an estimation, and then you work out relative to the position of the stars where these objects keep appearing. It, they do they do it all the time. You, you've seen with cave paintings. There are no cave paintings are astronomical. They're nothing to do with survival or animals or uh, keeping yourself safe from the night. Wolves and wolves live in the caves and the cave bears. If anyone goes out to look at the cave bears, short-nosed cave bears that lived in South America, you wouldn't want to go <laughs> stay in a cave. Same with the giant ground frogs. <laughs> You're just like, come on. So what <laughs> do you what do you think of Squatter Man, man though? He's interesting, isn't he? He's everywhere again. He's everywhere. I saw one today, uh, and um, uh, I think someone said it was from Saudi Arabia. 
and it, you know, I was like, you've been to Hawaii, haven't you? Yep, I've been to Hawaii. I've been, Hawaii. I've been to You're all over Hawaii on the beach. I found them all over the beach on Hawaii. I, I found them in uh, Utah, and I found that there. I found them in Colombia, and then I've I've found them in uh, like you know South America, and then I've found them in New Mexico. I mean, like there's just. Electric. Electric universe has got something to say about that, hasn't it? Yeah, they do. I, 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 electric I mean, universe at the moment, aren't you? Well, I mean, I, I don't. I, I think that there might be something to that because it does kind of look like the charge of plasma when you, when you, you. I mean, I don't, I don't know if that's, if that's um, what they were depicting or not. But it is weird that that same like little dude is found like that all over the world. It's very weird. It's a triangle with a circle on the top, isn't it? For that belief, it's the planets were, when the, all the planets were aligned and they were closer together. And it yeah. looked like a tower. It could have been that too. That could have been I like thought, a uh, It was Carl Jung has a story about it. And he used to look at the psychiatrists in the 40s. And he was a psychiatrist in the 1450s. And he used to look after paranoid schizophrenics. And he'd went in, he was working in New York and he'd went in and there was a man looking out the window and he went over and the man said to him, can you see it? And he said, no, I said, what are you on about? He said, there's a pillar of light, a pillar of light that's come from the sun. And he said, if you look to the north, you can see the wind. And if you look to the west, you can see the wind. And he, and he just fogged it off. He said, it's just the ravens of a madman. Well, 20 years later, Jung got a letter from a, a, an Egyptologist who just found some papers in one of the tombs. And in the paper, it says, a pillar of light and the wind is blown from the east and the west. Hmm. Well, I, I have a theory about like schizophrenia. I think that it's like, I just think that, you know, our visual light spectrum is as thin as a soap bubble, yeah. basically. Like, I just think that these people are be able to either see more than we can see or hear other yeah, things just, that we can they're hear. They're just more like, sensitive to certain things, aren't they? They're just more sensitive to... Uh, yeah, energies and things. things that that are really that. Yeah. There's, something, there's something connected with them. They're, they're connected to something else anyway. It's yeah. It's really weird, but I mean, I've never really worked with a schizophrenic. I don't really know that much about them, like on an individual basis or anything, but I just think that, oh, no. you know, I think they could be misdiagnosed uh, mediums. Being this and see if it's the same story as ayahuasca, where they see the same person right at the end of the journey. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, like even I, I, I was doing so. ayahuasca in the, the uh, Amazon, and there was a time where uh, I... I didn't, Did you see the little dude? I didn't, you know what? Like with with mushrooms, I've seen more stuff that, but with, with ayahuasca, I, I saw um like the trees. There was one tree that had a giant face on it. And like I got to see what ayahuasca was very gentle for me. It was like I got to see the gridding system. Like there was these, there was golden threads that connect everything. Like and like when it's on a human, there's like they're really, really do-do-do-do-do. But then even the space between me and this object or you or whatever, like you could see these these little golden threads everywhere. And you could, I could kind of pull on them. And I, I saw how all like the sky was poor. I don't know. It was very, it was a very it was a very energy thing for me. The first time you've seen the matrix. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Took the glasses off and you could see all the red, all people in red and all the jo dots what? joining them and the binary numbers. But what I did think was interesting is that like, um, I three people were like, oh, there were four, like one girl was like, there was these four light balls behind you. And another lady was like, yeah, there were these four blue guys standing behind you. And then the other guy was like, yeah, there was these big pillars of light behind you. Like, so they didn't see the exact same thing, but they all saw, distinctively saw four kinds of lights behind me. And they all told me independently um, afterwards. So it was very bizarre to me because I'm kind of going like, how is it that we're all seeing or that multiple people are seeing the same things? And that's not, I mean, I, I know a lot of people who have done stuff like where um, I, uh, I talked to this one guy who, um, he was with a film crew down in Peru and they were, they did a ayahuasca. And he said that two of the other people on his, like the, there was this, he didn't have that big of a journey himself, but he said he did see like this giant praya mantis that walked over to. I've heard about him turning up. Huh? I've heard about him turning up the praya mantis. Yeah, oh yeah, the mantis being things. Well, so like this big giant praya mantis walked over to his friend who was our, one of his coworkers who was also in a journey. And um, afterwards, before he had even said anything about what he saw, she said, she was like, oh yeah, I had a conversation with mother earth and she was this giant praya mantis being. And he was like, I saw her talking to you. Like, so that's just kind of, how do you make that up? I, I just always wondered the little, the little man at the end is the squatting man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it could be. It'd be wouldn't it? If it was. Yeah, it could just be like a universal. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah, okay, so saying. besides all, 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 all that stuff, like, do what's what's your new what's your new working thought process going on here? Like with um, some of, you know, we've had kind of a soft yeah, disclosure yeah. from the government. So what do you think yeah. about that? Well, that's been a bit of a curveball because I, I believe I still believe that we go back a hell of a long time. I don't. I think. Uh, from my own thinking, I just think they're probably just drones, not drones for me, they're probably drones, you know, they've been maybe Omamuru activated them or something activated them or something like that. I, 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 get, I get the feeling that because the government has said they're uh, not from this world, they've probably been inactive drones because the travel and the distance and all that is gets me gets me perplexed anyway yeah, but for me it's like I kind of go into well maybe they've been here all along and they are at I like yeah. I, I, yeah. I I look into like the breakaway civilization stuff a lot you know like maybe they currently live here yeah well that's I'm still that's what I'm still looking at I think we go back there a lot longer than than we thought I mean we're looking at the Gravitians now uh, and we've got 40,000 years and they were they, are, they they went their territory went from the edge of Great Britain all the way up until the Russian steps in, in, in uh, China and then Swift just 40, 50,000 years ago and they were they had archaeoastronomy, they had they developed uh, they actually call them a technical culture. So 
and they were surviving the, the new Which culture is this? The Gravitians. Gravitians, okay. Yeah. Well, if you go back further, you've got the Orignatians who come from uh, Africa when we migrated out of Africa 120,000 years ago, supposedly. So you've got the Denisovans and you've got uh, Neanderthal in Europe. And somewhere between 60,000 years ago, they both merged in the Levant. And well, we're probably the byproduct of that meeting that went on. But they, they, went, they didn't live in caves, they lived, they lived in huts and houses and they was widespread right through Europe, right through Asia, up into China. And they, they were the same culture all the way through. And obviously when, when the Orignatians meet the Gravitians, you have us and then you have an explosion of knowledge. Uh, then you have the Ice Age and then everything dies back and then they come back again. So they must have went somewhere. They must have, they must have been survivalists. They must have known. Because if you look at the Venus statues, the Venus statues, they're uh, plump near where the ice sheet, the end of the ice sheet ended. And as the ice sheet, as you get further away from the ice sheet, they get thinner and thinner and thinner. Oh, I never really thought about that. Yeah, so you're talking about like, like the Malta, like, more, like the the little plump like ladies, yeah, they, and then like they yeah. get where they become like cyclatic figures, where they're like skinny. Yeah, well, they like to call them Venus figurines, don't and Yeah, I mean, yeah, this one was found in the Levant, and that might be. The, the, we've even seen one that said that could be a million years old. Well, that's the thing for me. I, I just kind of go well. What, what bothers me is it's kind of like, okay, so, or it doesn't bother me. It makes me confused is that like, so you're telling me that for, we've been around for however long we've been around, whether it's hundreds, thousands of years or a million years or whatever. And we were just like in loincloths with spheres forever. Yeah. And then somehow, I don't know, in the, the last hundred years we just went so it was like we were like we're like going hunter gatherer for millions of years or something a million years and then we're just kind of like okay we can we can kind of live in cities we can do some stuff you, you know go back, you go in pit of bones in, in spain it's my favorite it's my favorite story in history so you know the people that can date back six hundred thousand years and they're walking along a valley floor and something happens and the next thing is they run up to the cave. But by the time they get to the top, only one of them survives. So whatever happens, whether it's a flood or a, a gas leak, a natural gas leak or something, he goes down to the bottom of the valley, he picks up every one of them up individually, takes them to the cave, puts them in the cave, places them, places them basically the oldest and then as and the children and the women on the top. This one one person, we know this because he's actually his skeleton's found at the top of the cave and he's he sat he was sat there. And then after he does that, there's a stone called the uh, uh Escalibur stone. The historians like to call it the Escalibur stone. I put it out, I say the Escalibur stone, everyone thinks the Escalibur story. Right. Well, this stone 
is a a a a a accent arrowhead. Call it what you like. It's he puts that on top of them. But that stone is a million years old. So that and it come from Africa. So that stone came from Africa a million years ago. Ends up in Spain. 500, 600,000 years ago, and then gets placed on the top of a burial site. So you're trying to tell me these were people who, who were just undergatherers who had no intelligence at all, but yet they had the fall. Well, 600,000 years ago, they're saying we're basically like animals, like we didn't, That's you know. Same with them in a tree, we're, we're basically animals. But that shows you a burial practice, that shows you that that was how important must that have been? It was already it was already five hundred thousand years old by right. the time he placed it on top of them people. So how how treasured was it? It had come from Africa. It wasn't like you just picked it up off the floor or something. It had been it must have been in that that history of that region for five hundred thousand years before he, he placed it on top of people who died six hundred thousand years before. And these are supposed to be people that are simple people that lived in caves and didn't even have cooking apparently or heat or anything like that. But he had the forethought to pick up his tribe, put them in a, a grave, and then place a stone on top of them, which is 500,000 years older than the story is amazing. Yeah, that's beautiful. The book's called. I've got what the book's called, but if you read it the way the woman's written it, because she she goes into the analyst of it and all, she says she they've looked at the bones, there's not much injury, so they didn't fall down there, no bear grabbed out of them, nothing like that. So there was some eyes that they must have been just walking along and something happened. And as they run up the valley, as they run up the valley, the oldest must have died first, because that's how he put them in the grave. So there must have been more resistant to what was going on. And then you had the forethought to pick them all up. And now like, well, <laughs> how long did the travel? Whether the way we're carrying that around for them. Yeah, there's so, there's some real strange histories. Like the one that gets me a lot is um like close to where I live, like an hour south of where I live, there's um a woolly mammoth nursery herd. There's like 16 uh, Colombian woolly, woolly mammoths that um, are, are what they call mastodons or whatever. Um, and they died in a nursery herd. They died together in a circle and they had eight juveniles, like eight babies that they were holding in their tusk. And so, like, people are Someone like, oh, it was the. Like, huh? Someone still showed they were chilling food and all, and so whatever happened must have happened like within an instant. Yeah, whatever happened had, had to have happened like instant because like people are like, well, it could have been a flood. I'm like, if it's a flood, they would have washed away. Like, why would they all still like they stayed in their herd in their herd, and they so they got like instantly freeze frozen back. in time. And like I guess it could have just been like the flash freeze. Um, but I feel like this is even this is further down than where the glaciers. Oh, uh, well, you they found some bones not so long ago, and they're they 120,000 years because they've shown that they've they found some mass bones that have been processed. They've oh, right, yeah, yeah. 
now they're trying to, obviously they're trying to disprove it rather than find, it was some road they were digging up or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, was, I think it was in California or something, right? Where they were saying it pushed the timely back like even further. And then so they were trying to say like, oh, well, no, wait. There's also, is it Fishburn Cave or something like that? And all I found evidence of people up near Canada, up near Canada way. I could do it back 70,000 years and all. Fish something it's called. I remember uh, Graham Hancock was talking about it's in his book, America First, isn't it? But he reckons there's a cave up there 70,000 years. It shows inhabitants, people living in the, in the caves. But now I've just read an article there, they're on about saying, oh, yeah, uh, that they've tried a few times to get to the Americas and it might have only been four or five people and then mm. um, the harsh conditions killed them off. So they don't see it as people. Yeah, it, but it, it, but some of these things make me, there's also a, um, a place in, um, well, Wyoming that has like, all, like it's this like preserved lake bed. It's called, um, uh, I don't know. It's where J.C. Penney's from. I can't remember what it's called, but it has all these fish fossils and all these things that are found in it. But they just kind of like act like it's oh, just mudslides, and over time, you know, all these things are found together. But I feel like there's, there must have been like it, you know, if a if a super volcano explodes and then you have like that ash all over the the world or so. Like I think there could have been stuff where self fire from the other But so that's what makes me think that it's like um, uh. There, there has to have been, uh, yeah, like these, some of these catastrophes, like even if it is a, a comic, like let's say a comet hits in Young Adrias and like, like how come everybody or most people in the world die though? Like just, I don't know. I guess there's multiple events that happened in, in Young Adrias, but I don't know. Well, I, I had a good friend who written a book, he passed, he passed and all, uh, Lou Graham, and he called it the cosmic train wreck. He reckoned that there was a supernova outside our, outside of our solar system, and it created all the other uh, disasters almost in alarm. So, like, you would have had this ex massive explosion. It would have brought all the meteorites and uh, debris into the inner planets. To cause commotion, he, he believed that the asteroid belt was a, another planet that was destroyed because he said it was uh, written in all the ancient texts. So, oh uh, yeah, I have That's no problem with. I have no problem. Well, there's a symbolism theory and all this, and there's where they think that there was seven. There was one comet that came in the first, and it broke up into seven. And these seven were a lot smaller and there were air bursts and one land, one lands on the uh, ice sheet in North America, one lands in India, a few land in other places. But uh, I think, is it Cosmic Tusk? Well, they're looking at one at 3,000 years now that might have hit the Indian Ocean. So what they think is it could have been another fragment that had come in uh, about 6,000 years later from the same comet, but it had missed, but come back in again and struck in the Indian Ocean, causing more disaster. So you can imagine they were just getting the crap back together and then that happens. Because 
Then we <laughs> then we go into the little ice age, can't we? <laughs> yeah. We talk about the little like age and the uh, what did they call medieval warming period, which was four degrees warmer than what it is now. Uh, there's events happening all the time, and they just want to see us in a nice stable position, going on no sun and nothing's happening. Disasters like us love if we like we look at it all at down, but we don't like talking to people with young kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was it was explained once to me that basically the earth is a person walking across a 30 lane motorway every day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And you all, I mean you just have to realize like we have we are not a stable planet. We never have been. <laughs> You just have to look at the moon to see that, don't you? You just have to see the impacts that coming. But you know what? Yeah. The way it yeah. is. Okay, so um, so like, let's talk about like, uh, are you getting off Twitter? Or are you going to stay on Twitter? What are you going to do? I don't know. I'll probably pop on. I just with Lewis and Chuck, you know what I mean? And you're like. He was a big friend and a good researcher, and we were just talking a few days before. He was saying to me that he's, there's other things he needs to do with fam with his family and stuff like that, and then that happens. You know what I mean? I'll be there. I'll be there. Uh, I don't seem to be running out of places nobody else else has heard of, so someone's got to bring them up, haven't they? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Twitter is definitely a very good resource for people. One of the nicest comments I got yesterday was somebody attended and said, I'm glad I found you because you, you keep finding places I've never heard of before. And I said, well, if I can keep doing that, I'll keep doing yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, like I got into um, like the nub stuff or whatever from 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 Twitter like uh, about a year ago, like in all the um, different markers and stuff. that, that they, they were things I had already observed and noticed in my travels. But I and I and I had a lot of questions and things about them, but I I didn't know that other people were obsessed with them, you know. I'm not so. obsessed. We're just interested. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I think like I'm becoming obsessed with them. I think there's I can watch telly I can watch telly ten hours a day if you want me to, but uh, no, I'd rather yeah, no, it's a way, way more noble, noble mystery. <laughs> well, as long as we keep the mystery going, that's what I like. I don't. I'm not really bothered about the answers. It's the mystery I like, and the at this point, I don't know if we can find an end to it. It's just I just want other people to recognize, hey, there's something going on. Like, if we find the answer to it, we'll find another mystery behind it. <laughs> yeah, all. that's and true. That's the way we are. That's the way we're built. We just there to question all the time. That's all it is. We just question everything. I think we were the kids in the middle of the class. The ones at the back were being naughty, and the ones in the front were being clever. And we were in the middle going, what? <laughs> What's that? What's... Yeah. Oh, no, I'm not having that leg. I don't believe that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I've, I've always been born a 20 question. I'm like, wait, 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 what? What about this? What about this? What about this? Um, um, okay, so yeah, if people want to find you, you're on Twitter, and your Twitter, Twitter. handle is? Ukrainian Utopia. Ukrainian Utopia. I'm going to write that up here like that. Um, <laughs> it's, a, it's a play on words. No, everybody goes, Ukrainian Utopia, and then they look as if they know what I'm on about. 
And I, I don't think anyone dares ask me yet. Yeah, what is it? Well, you're cloning it is a, a, an undefined term in uh, history. It's a part of history that can be rewritten when anywhere you want it to be. And utopia, all everyone thinks is a, a beautiful place, actually it just means uh, a far off place or, or, or a place not defined yet. So it's a play on words for another place, another town. <laughs> I love it. I do, I do. I like it a lot. That's all it is. <laughs> so I am like, oh yeah, yeah. And then when you see them thinking, <laughs> it just means another place, another town. That's all it means. Okay, so you're not too far from Doggerland. No, I'm about I'm about five miles as, as the crow flies. And about two years ago, we had a storm. Our sand was washed away, and I found a forest, a prehistoric forest, oh. on the beach. So I've been down. I've got some brilliant photos at the time here. So we went down to have a look, and we have taken. But also, uh, we have a, a round fort just on the cliffs that overlook where the beach is washed up. Uh, and that's about 4,000 years old. And beyond that, they found uh, a site that's 10,000 years old beyond that also. Of so, like what, of like uh, circles or ruins or what? Well, there's a, there's a, a water feature and they're saying it's a circle. I read somewhere they're saying it's a circle, but we're not, we don't come from a very uh, wealthy place, so they haven't really got that much money. They excavated it about three years ago. I went up there, but they haven't geomarked it, so I can't get the precise. I think they've reburied it because we have a lot of trouble up, up there. But the uh, round, the round fort is four thousand years old. And in the middle of it, do you know James Captain Cook? Mm -hmm. Who just got, well, went to Australia and all them places. Yeah, 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 and Hawaii. Yeah. He, he, was from, he's from round, he was from round here, not far from where I live. And there's a big obelisk monument in the, they put a big obelisk monument in the middle of it. Mm, that's interesting. <laughs> so... There's a lot of, uh, you know, symbology. How far are you from Hadrian's Wall? Not far at all. It, the closest, it'll be about 40 miles away. We went as kids, the schools used to take us up there. There's a, a walk, we're about 40 miles away. But there's some circles, Northumberland, Northumberland, uh, and they're really old. They found these stones. You know, like the new greens, the circles, the spirals and all that. There's, they've just found a load of them up there and all. So that's why I'm putting down Doggerland is Atlantis. There's no argument. I've got I, I actually, I actually, I, I buy that one too. I, um, because it literally sunk 10,000 years ago. So there's, that's crazy. <laughs> and then I saw some, some documentary that was done by some Nordic, like for people from Norway um and they used some boat to scrape some of the land on there and then they found like that spear like the it was, like, yeah. 
we've the found stuff all the time here. The, the fishermen found stuff like that all the time. Like I say, the beach, you're on the beach and the the forest, the, the forest is right there in front of you. I'll send you a couple of images now. Okay, cool. Yeah, I want to put those in here. That would be awesome. And yeah, like some of the artifacts that they found from Doggerland are pretty sophisticated in my mind's eye. Uh, well, it, like I say, it's not even that. It's historically, I believe, my belief is that Atlantis, the fable of Atlantis, the, the, the city, the glorified city, and, and it goes on, is more based on uh, coastal sea people, the people that lived on that coast before the last ice age, and then it was flooded, and it's all submerged underwater. They probably were using the coast to travel all around the world, and that's why we get all these cultures with the same ideas and uh, religions and prophecies and all the same across the board. And the easiest way to travel, if you look like you look at the the sea, and, and it was another one. 70 meters from the shore where we are now. Mm-hmm. And you're like, all that coastline, that's where you would live. You'd live on the coastline, you'd live on the river, you live on the rivers. Yeah, that's uh, where, I mean, it's, that's where- That's where it is, that's where all the archaeology look, and that's where all the is on, on the continental shelves. Because I mean, America, you will imagine everything, it's going to be hard to find any prehistory in America because that when that uh, ice sheet melted and it went, it just scraped, it basically just scraped the top of America and dumped it. Gulf of Mexico. It, didn't it? That's where all your prehistory history will be. I'll be swept into the Atlantic and that's where you, the continental shelf, that's where it is. I did read a book and I'll have to look it up. And there was a, a they found a site on the west coast of America and I found all this pottery, but because it, it was about 10 miles along the coast and they kept digging this pottery up. And once, this, obviously they the said it was the Native Americans that lived there, the pots were coming off the land. But there was one scientist and she had determined that they'd been swept into the water and over the time, it had been washed back up again onto the coast. Then, because they said it was only a small distance, it's an anomaly, and they didn't take the research any further. And that must have been a good 30 years ago that she was looking at that. But, yeah, I remember. Yeah, well, I mean, I think, I think um, there's those, that sort of pyramidal structure by Cuba down yeah. there underwater um that people have different opinions about there's um there's all kinds of yeah there there i do i think i do think the coastal line thing's pretty interesting i've also heard some rumors of stuff around catalina island san diego area um of the coast down there and um yeah i i i i but for me atlantis i i i like the ricot structure structure or whatever but, and I think that that probably could have been for, for, okay, but when people even, I think it was more than just, when I say Atlantis, yeah, well, I don't even necessarily. The thing down there is pottery. There's pottery there. There's yeah, pottery there is. in the middle of the structures, the, and there's structures there. Well, like I was explaining uh, the, 
young lad that we were talking the other night is, uh, like I say, from the Western Desert, the people in the Western Desert uh, written everything down on the walls and they've never written anything about anybody coming. They would have had to come from that way. Also, we've got evidence of Denisovans in caves dating back 120,000 years in that area. So if you're talking about the the uh, Mediterranean busting and then all the water washing, because that's what they're saying, that's what they're trying to suggest, that either there was a, a large tsunami that came in from... Well, I do think it looks like a tsunami if you just like look at it from a map. I mean, it does look like there was washout. But it could be wind coming. Could look. It looks like wind. I'm not. No, I'm saying there probably was because, like I say, the people that lived uh, in the Western Desert, the ones I talk about, the the cave of the swimmers and the cave of the headless beast. It was an oasis eleven thousand years ago. There was trees there, there was a, po a pond in front of it, and it all dr dried up. And these are the people that moved from there into the, into the Nile at the same time as the pyramids appeared. So I just always wonder if they did see, if there was a huge uh, country there with masses of people living there, they would have put something in the cave. Now, I did find something interesting in Morocco, which isn't far away. I found circles painted on the walls in Morocco, ancient circles. Oh, like in caves? In, well, no, on, on the outside of rock caves. That's my thought. Anyway, the Denisovans, another thing that found is Denisovan skeletons there between 120,000 and 60,000 years ago. It means it couldn't have happened in that time period anyway. So that's my thought on it. Plus this the call it an uplift and there's uplifts in Texas and all. And I found another Rickard structure. An uplift. Yeah. That's what they call it. The structure is a dome. It's a domed uplift. And in Texas they found some in Texas. It's put Rickard structures uplift. And you'll get that. There's one, also another one in South Africa. Uh, that looks exactly the same as the Rickard structure, but it's under undergrowth, so you can't, it's not as prominent as that because that's out in the desert. But the one in South Africa, you can see it. Oh, geographic, ge, geodomes. There's one on Baffin, there's also one on Baffin Island. Uh, uh, there's a massive one in Utah. A big area for an upheaval dome in Utah. The other one's uh, South America, South Africa, Cape. So, what do they say caused them? Some of the putting down are asteroids. Hmm. Some are just natural gases, like gases building up and pushing them up. Okay, that could that could be interesting. Hmm. It could work. You never know. <laughs> All right. Well, so if you want to find Dave, find him on Twitter, and uh, I'll, and is there anywhere else people can find you, or is that that's is that your place? Yeah, uh, I'm setting something up on Instagram, but I haven't opened it yet. I'm just all the astronomical sites. I'm trying to put them down there, but I'm getting distracted again. I've got about eight on there up there now. Okay, so user, uh, is it going to be the same handle on Instagram? No. 
on Instagram, just Dave Ancient Science. Just Dave Ancient Science. All right, well, it was really good to have you on. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, yeah. We'll have to do a round table sometime. Well, hopefully that's what we're gonna do. Okay, cool. Well, it's getting the lads together. All right. All right, bye. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs>